Hey, welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2022 is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour, an actual play podcast about weird heroes, found family, and the stories you make when you go off the rails. Step through the looking glass and into our Season 2 game of Absurdia, a modern fantasy role-playing game about the absurd humor and understated horror of everyday life. Join Demi-Ghost lifestyle blogger Claire Claremont. I do terrify people in town quite often. Community radio host Duncan Oliver. Investigative, friendly, a little flirty. And woebegotten time traveler Max. The time cat is the reason I got unstuck from time as they navigate the surreal suburban town of somewhere. The Screaming Fog. Oh, shit. The City Council. Praise be. I don't even refer to them by name. I don't want to give them that kind of power. Bus is sentient. Bus is alive. Bus is forever. A leviathan of steel and tinted glass. Run! Run! If you're a fan of Welcome to Night Vale, Alice in Wonderland, or Gravity Falls, you'll love Season 2 of Monster Hour. New episodes every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're like me, you drive wherever you damn well please. And if you're like me, you've had your vehicle hidden away by a self-appointed authoritarian mystery local government. So you agree to give an ad read for them because I need my damn Vespa back. Reddington's Driver Education. Here for you whether or not you ask. Visit WelcomeToReddington.com to learn more about Once Upon a Monster of the Week. As this thing on. I guess, can't you see the red light? God, how bad are your eyes? I can see the red light, but no one said to talk. Hi, I am Marie Redgate, and um, this is... Angus McRae. And we uh, fight monsters, because those are real. The boogeyman that you fear, the real, that thing under your bed, is also real. But we're here to fight them. Kick their ass, but, you know, that's close enough. Do you even literally think we should be doing this? I mean, who would believe a couple of uh, monster hunters from a little town called Hendricks? which we're stuck in, thanks to you. Thanks to me. I would have been gone a long time ago if I still had a car. But I guess you shouldn't have drove it off a bridge. We interrupt this bickering to inform you that we are Redgate and Wolf, an actual play Monster of the Week podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Why, Why is it Redgate and Wolf? Should not be Wolf and Redgate. I do all the work, and as she talked about kicking ass, I do that. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere to kick ass if I didn't drive you there. Drive me. You drive me crazy. Find us on your favorite podcast app now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our International Podcast Month game of Absurdia. My name's Quinn, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be GMing our game today. I am also the GM and editor over at Monster Hour. We're a narrative-driven actual play podcast. We played Monster of the Week in our first season, and we just started our second season, also playing Absurdia. I'm thrilled to be joined by some awesome folks to play this game today. Alice, Sarah, do y'all want to introduce yourselves and let folks know where they can find you and your work? Sure. I'm Alice Hart. I am pretty much found anywhere, including Twitter, at Hellion Hart, H-E-L-L-I-O-N. H-A-R-T. I am one of the players on a Monster of the Week hybrid cast. We're an ensemble group. There's about 15 of us. It's called Once Upon a Monster of the Week. Long name, I know. But very good, though. Yes. (laughs) But we're entering into our about eighth episode now. Woo! 
Yeah. Sarah? Hi, I'm Sarah, also known as Sarah, and I am the keeper host slash editor of Red Gate and Wolf, also a Monster of the Week podcast. We're a sassy thief and a Scottish werewolf who hunt monsters, roll dice, a bicker in a small fictional town named after Jimi Hendrix. You can obviously find us at Redgate and Wolf, and you can find me specifically on Twitters at CeroRPG. That's S-E-R-O-R-P-G. Clearly, we love our Monster of the Week in this group for IPM. Oh, totes. <laughs> but we are not playing Monster of the Week today. We are playing Absurdia. Absurdia is an absurdist modern fantasy role-playing game about the inane hilarity and understated horror of everyday life. You play as residents of a strange suburban town unmoored from space and time, where the otherworldly is ordinary and the mundane terrifying. It is inspired by works of absurd humor, surreal horror, and literary nonsense like Welcome to Night Vale, Alice in Wonderland, and Gravity Falls. It is uh, also a game that I created and published earlier this year. Uh, I am uh, incredibly excited to be playing it for IPM, one of my favorite events of the year, and I'm super grateful to the org team for letting me run it and for the two of you for joining me for this game. Uh, Gameplay-wise, Absurdia is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, which means that most actions are resolved using uh, a series of moves, basic moves, faction moves, playbook moves. When a character triggers the condition of a move, they roll two six-sided dice and add one of uh, a variety of ratings. A 10 plus is a full success, a 7 to 9 is a mixed success, and a 6 or less is a failure, which means something weird and usually bad happens. There are other rules, but uh, I think we'll get to those as we play. Uh, Nobody is interested in a, a rules dump right here at the beginning. But before we jump into our game, why don't we go ahead and meet our characters? You don't have to go through uh, everything on your sheet, but why don't you share your your character's name and pronouns, playbook, moves, look and demeanor, and friends and rivals. Why don't we do that as well? Who would like to go first? I am playing Magpie, more commonly known as Mags. They, them pronouns. They are our curio for this mystery. They have the move that comes with all curios, the curios move, where you have a penchant for attracting strange items infused with eldritch power. The two that I have selected are Bound Lightning and Imp of the Perverse. The other move that I took for the curio was the Silver Tongue. When you get a 7 and 9 on a roll to sway someone, you choose which option the target of your persuasion chooses. They have garish clothes and excessive accessories and have a smooth but inquisitive demeanor. They have a rival in Hank, who is a small business owner in the town, and a friend in Cassandra, an antique dealer. Cool. Ciro, how about your character? I'm playing Tessa, the lesser archivist. Uh, the playbook is Void <laughs> Archivist. We'll start with her moves, I guess. Obviously, the redaction one. Do I need to read that out? It's pretty long. Just summarize. You are skilled in extracting memories from a person's mind. So I can do it from a willing individual. I can do it from an unwilling individual. Obviously, the hardness of that varies. I also picked cross-reference, where I can mark a reverie to call forth some stuff from the archive memory. And I took unknown... Sorry, known unknowns. When you first encounter an entropic power, you automatically gain a clear understanding of its source effects and motives, if any, without having to roll for chaos. She um she wears a kitty cat onesie and a blanket. <laughs> she Amazing. has a, a mark of the void, which is just like a smudge on her, on her cheek. She's forgetful, and she has a rival who is a fellow archivist named Darcy. And she also has a friend who is a sentient hamster 
who likes to wander around in his little hamster ball, and his name's Wendell. Fabulous. The two of you talked a little bit, uh, since this is a one-shot, we've established the two of you know each other and have some some bonds. Do you want to share how the two of you uh, know each other as characters? So Max knows Tessa because Tessa has an object that I want desperately. And why do they refuse to part with it? She can't have it. You're not taking Wendell. <laughs> <laughs> and Tessa, you, you also have a bond with Mags. Yeah, Mags asked me to take away a memory of theirs. So I, I did, and I've still got it. All right. With that, I think we can go ahead and jump in. We open on the Absurdia Public Library. It is a quaint, quirky building of old red brick and big glass windows. A sign up front warns not to touch the ivy, which wriggles energetically across the exterior as we head inside. The interior was probably quite nice when the library was built. Nobody remembers exactly when that was. But there's been some wear and tear, and the style is just a bit out of date. It's getting close to closing time, so there aren't a lot of people left inside. Just a few staff, some regulars, and a handful of other stragglers scattered across the silent reading room, the computer desks, the children's quarter, and the labyrinthian stacks of books stretching towards the back. If anyone remains in the Void Archive, the hidden sub-basement of empty page books filled with donated memories, it's a mystery to the patrons above. Tessa, Mags, what brings the two of you to the library today? Well, I, I kind of work here, so... <laughs> you do? So I'm just here. I literally don't leave. Are you down in the Void Archive, or are you up in sort of the public section of the public library? Oh, never the public section, no. <laughs> Only when you uh, enter and leave. Yeah, sure, but I don't remember when that happened last, so... <laughs> what are you doing in the Void Archive right now? I'm just getting more popcorn, because I, I ran out. I just basically Netflix and chill the memories. <laughs> you just spend your time sort of perusing them for fun? Yeah, well, it's sort of also my job. I'm kind of like the first check. See, I'm the Lisa archivist, so I've got to do the first run. Oh, you're doing like the QAQC? Yeah, and a little bit of censoring. But, you know, I'm, I'm totally down with the uncensored, unbridled memories of the locals. So it's a good job for you? Ah, uh, yeah. Love it. Okay. So you're you're at your desk workstation, some some sort of area where you where you work. What what does your workstation look like actually? Well, I mean, I kind of have a workstation, but I I more like I've moved the computer off the the desks, and I've kind of got a little nest on the floor with all the blankets and some cushions. It's basically a fort. Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you've made like a nest fort. I think you are perusing one of the, the memories, sort of uh, a recently donated one, just doing your, your sort of normal work, making sure nothing's sort of corrupted, nothing's out of place. And walking past with a, a big stack of books is your rival, uh, Darcy. Yes. Tell me a little bit about Darcy. Darcy, well, he's a, he's a bit of a dick. Uh, you know, really snobbish, comes from, you know, money and thought he could buy his way up through the archive, but we're both lesser archivists. You know, you can't brown nose his way up here. Ha ha ha. 
Darcy kind of passes you and and there's a a little sneer of of contempt as he looks at your fort nest and and, and again he's holding like a a big sort of stack of books and and he pauses and says Tess are you going to to leave today and and go home or are you um pulling another night shift here at the archive Oh is it nighttime I I thought it was lunch still Nope nope it's it's nighttime for sure Yep Yep. Yep, uh, yep, yep. No, why would I leave it safer in here? You've been outside, right? I mean, that's... Tr- I suppose I can't argue with that, but it's good to stretch your legs, breathe the fresh air, get out of this dusty sub-basement sometimes. There's a whole world out there. Yeah, and there's a whole world in here that I can experience without getting hurt or sunburned, because the sun will kill you. That is true. It does descend down once a month and cause havoc, so I can't argue with that, I suppose. All right, you know what? Fine. Tessa, if you want to stay here all night, that's that's just great. Do you know why the public library books keep winding up down here with the memory books? No idea. Every day I have to take them back up and file them back up in the main area, and it's frankly, frankly, Tessa, it's beneath me. Really? Well, I don't think there's anyone beneath you to do it, so... Are you done, Darcy? I've I've got actual work to do, and it sounds like those books aren't going to walk themselves upstairs. Enjoy your slumber party with the books. And Darcy, heel turns uh, and heads upstairs in a huff. Mags. Yes. What brings you to the library? I mean, Tessa, obviously. Or (laughs) more specifically, Wendell. At least this week and the week before and (laughs) a little bit of time before that. What What is your interest in Wendell, aside from the fact that he is, in fact, a sentient hamster? There is possibly something that little fluff ball has that's granting him the sentience. Maybe not, but at worst, it doesn't hurt to have a friend. After all, there's not many non-aggressive sentient hamsters around. Fair. Do you have an appointment with Tessa or with the Void Archive, or are you trying to sort of, like, sneak sneak in? Void archives, is there like a clear entrance to it in the library? If like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) not really. Uh, I think it is cloistered, secluded away. And most folks who get an appointment to go, you know, check out a book or or a memory from the void archive generally have their memory of how they got there removed as part of the checkout process. So I don't I don't think it's readily apparent. Then I have probably been camped out. Somewhere in the library, most of the day and most of the business hours, probably in the last few days, to see if I notice anyone that has been marked as an archivist. Why don't you give me a role to assess reality? Right. Assess reality being one of the basic moves for kind of figuring out what's going on. Okay, 2d6. Plus wits. Well, that's a five. Yikes. Right. On a miss, you might reveal crucial information, or I might have you ask two questions from the list, but give you uh, some or all information that is inaccurate. I think I'm going to go with the first option, which is you might reveal crucial information, because I think you're kind of like snooping. You're just snooping a little bit, and you hear a throat clearing behind you. (coughs) Yes. And you see who who we as the audience recognize as Darcy in sort of his archival outfit, carrying a large stack of books. And he says, may I help you? 
I mean, you certainly might be able to. You appear to be generally spying, Oh, if I'm reading the situation correctly. I mean, I didn't think I was being subtle at all, to be very clear. I'm actually looking for Tessa. Tessa? Yeah. Really? Do you have an appointment by any chance? I mean, I had an appointment at one time or another. Give me a roll to sway here. <laughs> because Darcy is inherently, I think, interested in causing problems for Tessa. Right. <laughs> That's a nine. On a 7-9, they'll do it, but I will choose an option from the list below. They want more than what you're offering. They demand payment up front. They have a better idea for achieving your goal, or they stall and dither for a while. But I, I believe you, one of your moves allows you to choose from that list rather than me. Yes, silver tongue. Yes. So you get to choose from that list. Would it be possible that uh, having been here for a few days that... Mags has seen a little bit of Darcy, maybe overheard some things. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's possible. Uh, I'm going to say that they demand payment up front. Okay, I'll tell you what. You seem like a real troublemaker. Just a tad. And I like that for Tessa. But I can't let you go down to the archive and remember it, so I'm just going to need to do a little um, contingency planning. The uh, little... Which might take a little bit. Yeah. It's happened before. Great. Here, just hold on. And he pulls out a, um, he has like a a little satchel Mm -hmm. and he pulls out a a quill, like an old school quill, holds it up to your head just for a moment. And you feel like like if a a limb had gone numb or fallen asleep, um, that sort of tingling sensation, but it's sort of all over your brain and then it stops. Okay, yeah, you won't remember going down there after you, you come out, but uh, yeah, let's let's take you down to the Void Archive. Let's let you meet Tessa. This will be great. Right, I think we're going to be friends already. He leads you uh, around some, some sort of twists and turns and actually leads you back to the employee break room the, in the public section of the library. He heads to the refrigerator opens the bottom ice chest, takes that pen back out and like writes something on the, the bottom and a false bottom drops out and you can see stairs descending downward into a sub-basement. Ooh, that's a handy little thing. Head down this way, go down about four stacks. There'll be a an opening with a big, big blanket fort, kind of like a, a cocoon of fabric almost. That's Tessa. You'll find her there. Thank you. And I just give him a jaunty little salute before heading off. He does a salute back, but it's it's extremely goofy. <laughs> like he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> and Darcy, with his uh, big stack of books, heads back up the stairs uh, and you head down. I don't think you have any problem finding Tessa's little workstation area for it thing. Tessa... Uh, I've come to talk with you, hon. Tessa kind of shuffles back under the blankie. <laughs> I can see the movement. And it's nobody called Tessa here, dear. <laughs> oh, really? Then I'm sure no one will mind if I run through these stacks and mess up a few memories. And No, no. And she flings the blanket off. She comes running up and wraps her arms around the, the books and she goes, no, I haven't. I haven't finished looking through this. This is all the people's memories of 
of that anime that I haven't caught up on yet. <laughs> I love that you've made the Void Archive into Netflix. Right. <laughs> it's incredible. Hi, Tessa. Remember me? Unfortunately, yes. How'd you get here? How anyone gets here, of course. I can't remember. Apparently neither can I. Well, that's good then, I guess. You can't have Wendell. Is Wendell just like he's ro- is he in a little hamster in ball? Little hamster ball. Incredible. Yeah. Is he just yeah. rolling around the area? Yep. Oh come on! I mean, after all, you don't leave this place. Hamsters need everything that's outside. N- no, I've got no, everything they... that I need here in this ball. Told you. Oh come on! Look, Wendell. I got I got water. I got food. I can roll around to my heart's content. Yeah, but what if you had better water, mm, better food? Wait, there's better water. Oh, yeah. What? No, Tessa. window. No. You didn't tell me there's better water. I give you the bubbly water just like you asked for. But is there better water? You gotta tell me. I don't think so. There's water that can kill you. Wait, is there water that can kill me? Yeah, and, and water that tastes like farts. There's water that tastes like farts? There's also yeah. water that tastes like farts. And fruit. Wendell turns, turns back to you, Mags. <laughs> Are you trying to feed me fart water? No, but have you ever tried apple water? Or carrot water. Wendell turns back to you, Tessa, and says, Carrot water? I want carrot water! I'll see what I can get my hands on, but that might require me to go outside. I mean, either you are going outside or I'm going outside, it sounds like. I'll go outside, if I can remember how. I mean, I will leave this place at some point. Wendell, if you'd like to come along, there's also better food and... Have you ever felt the sun on your face the one day of the month where it does try to kill you? Wait, what's what's the sun? It's warm. The sun tries it tries to kill you. One day a month. And to be fair, it is pretty amazing. Which day is it? I feel like it just rolls a lottery. Just went out of hmm. between twenty. Sounds and risky, 31. although I do like being warm. And he like rolls his his ball over to like a little nest cocoon, like mini mini version of uh, of Tessa's fort. I mean, mean, we could always steal Darcy's heater. As the two of you and Wendell, the sentient hamster, are sort of going back and forth about his future and the benefits of the outside world, the ground beneath you starts to rumble. And very quickly, the walls and ceiling and stacks around you start to wobble as well. There's a, a dull but persistent hum that joins the shaking, and quickly it rises to an uncomfortably loud volume. There's a painfully loud crack, like a paper bag being popped at a cosmic scale that's quickly accompanied by a shockwave that sends books and and small objects tumbling to the ground. I think Wendell is sort of sent end over end rolling down one of the halls. Wendell! And for a few moments, it's quiet. Uh, And then you hear a muted alarm kick on, and there's a dull flashing light towards the entrance exit to the Void Archive. Is this a regular occurrence by any chance? Hasn't happened in your experience. And Tessa, I don't know that it's happened in yours either. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Have I heard about it, though? This sort of alarm uh, is generally triggered when something is is wrong at the library. It's like a general purpose f- like fire alarm, but certainly not restricted to fires. The alarm kind of goes for maybe a minute or so, and then it, it stops, and so does the flashing. And a voice comes onto the intercom. Uh-oh. Attention library staff and patrons, it has come to our attention that a fiction book has accidentally been filed into the non-fiction section, shattering the thin facade between fantasy and reality that we work to maintain here at the library. 
anti-fiction protocols have been activated to confine the threat to the premises. If you're hearing this message, we're sorry. There is no escape from the building until the fiction is contained. While we regret your statistically probable demise in a grisly and fantastical manner, take comfort in the fact that you're doing your part to keep our community safe. Your sacrifice will not be forgotten. Guarantees for legacy not insured by the library. All decisions regarding memory, the final purview of the void. Ask an archivist if mind wipes right for you. Terms and conditions may apply. Thank you for coming to the library. <laughs> so Tessa. Well, we're all going to die. And she'll just flop back into a nest. <laughs> I mean, how big are the odds that anything's going to come down here? Well, I mean, it's fiction. I could just make itself up to come down there, couldn't it? If I am going to die, I would rather it not be here. So I am going to get Wendell, and we are going to go experience our last moments in whatever is waiting for us up there. Oh, uh, Wendell. I forgot about Wendell. Wendell! You forgot about me? What? Uh, Wendell's like rolling his way back down one of the hallways between the stacks. Well, I mean, we're going to die. You can't blame me for forgetting about things. I, I would never forget. forget about you. Well, I don't usually forget about you, Wendell. I mean, we still have to watch that last episode of Immortal Novelist's Blushing Manson. That's true. I, I gotta see how that ends. Uh, and Wendell rolls over to the book that you've been using to sort of observe this memory and knocks it over and nothing happens. What? And that intercom kicks on one more time and says, In the event of an emergency, all archives are temporarily suspended. That does not sound good for your uh, blushing man romance. Immortal novelist's blushing mansion. Oh, th yeah, that. So <sighs> have fun, Wendell. Would you like to come with me? I mean, I didn't forget about you after all. Give me a sway roll. That's a seven. On a seven to nine, because of your silver tongue, you get to choose an option from the list. They want more than you're offering, they demand payment up front, they have a better idea for achieving your goal, or they stall and dither for a while. Let's go with, uh, they have a better idea for achieving your goal. <laughs> I want to see what this hamster's thinking. Okay, so here's here's the plan, alright? I don't want to die, but I, don't, I can't stay down here without the archives. I, if I'm not going to be able to see how this, this show ends, I, I, I gotta go do something. So here's the plan, we're going to go up and we're going to escape, Okay. We're, we're going to get out of here, and uh, we're going to see that sun that you're talking about. Well, hopefully we'll be out by, before sunset. If not, then tomorrow, my little friend. All right, let's go. Wendell. Uh, and Wendell starts rolling towards the exit and says, Wendell. Come on, Tessa. This sun thing sounds cool. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's no immortal novelist blushing mansion, but I don't, I don't know. Could, could, could be fun. Okay, let me get my stuff. And she grabs her little go bag of goodies and puts some boots on, and she's she's got a blanket over her head as well for the <laughs> sun, you know. Of course. I'm ready. All right, I am gonna need someone to pick me up and carry me up the stairs because this thing it doesn't go upstairs. So I can't roll them up. So. Oh, okay, okay. She'll jump forward to grab it before you know Mags can steal <laughs> Wendell away completely. I mean, if you want to fight the heavy for work, Wendell's affection, go ahead. The three of you make your way up the stairs out of the Void Archive and back to the public library employee break room. You exit out of the ice chest of the refrigerator mm -hmm. and it shuts behind you. Mags, you immediately forget where you've been. 
you remember having a conversation with Tessa and Wendell and you and you remember the vague contours and and the alarm and the message, but you don't remember where you were. Around you, the break room looks a little bit different. There are patches of grass pushing up through the carpet and towards the far door that exits out into the library, there are bright pink and purple mushrooms that are sprouting up from the floor. Some of them are reaching the height of small trees. Meanwhile, on the windows, you can see that they are covered with a thick, viscous layer of gray and black ichor that kind of looks like melted newspaper. Every sort of surface that you can see out of, all the windows are encased in this grayscale amber substance. Mag just kind of taps their fingers together. Oh, this will be fun. Look, Tessa, grass. You should try touching them. I don't think so. I think I'm allergic to most things that have to do with the outdoors. And this looks like the outdoors are coming indoors. I think also brightly colored mushrooms, probably not that good. I mean, you can definitely taste one and see. I'd be curious to see what the results are. I'm actually kind of curious in the mushrooms. Can I go up to one and just say hi, just in case it's sentient? Because you never know. Yeah, you walk up to the nearest mushroom and say hello. It doesn't respond verbally, but it does kind of sway back and forth a little bit when you speak to it. Oh, it kind of moves around like one of those dancing little flower things that, you know, you play the music to and they get wee. It sways back and forth a little bit more. She'll just keep making random noises at it, like to try and get it to keep dancing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, as long as you're sort of talking to it, it, it does, in fact, keep moving. Um, Mags, what, what are you doing? I would like to get a little bit closer, not like up against it, but I would like to get a little closer to the windows. Is there any out, like outlines outside? It is completely opaque. You you cannot see through this black and gray icor. Do I remember where the exit vaguely was? To the library? Yes. Yeah, if you exit out of here, it kind of goes to the reception area. The main exit is is pretty much right there. Great. Well, I will start to head in that way and call out. Well, uh, Tessa, you can continue with your new little mushroom friend, Wendell. She's obviously forgotten about you. If you would like to come with me, we can get out of here as hopefully as quick as possible. Wendell has rolled up onto another mushroom and is like bouncing up and down on top of it. It's surprisingly springy. Oh, that is very cute. (laughs) He looks like he's having the time of his life. Tessa started dancing along with the mushroom. (laughs) Okay. Y'all are having a mushroom dance party. Yeah. So, Mags, you exit the employee break room area and head out into the main reception. The desk is unoccupied. The sort of forest of oversized harlequin mushrooms continues and, in fact, gets uh, more dense uh, and is accompanied by slightly more mundane foliage as well, some like, you know, trees and stuff. But it, it, it's mostly the weird mushrooms. And you turn towards the main exit and see that it is also completely encased in this vaguely newspaper-esque amber icor. I just sigh. Of course, it's never going to be that easy. Of course And um, does it look like the mushrooms are like, is there like a path possibly that they're leading? Why don't you give me a roll to assess reality? Uh, When you carefully study a situation looking for more information, roll plus wits. 
Plus wits is zero, so seven. On a seven to nine, you get to ask one question from the list. What happened here? What's my best route? Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? What here is useful or valuable? What here is not what it appears to be? Or who or what is really in control here? I'm going to go with what's my best route. Yeah, uh, I think the mushrooms are not so dense that you can't traverse them generally. I think what you see is sort of a vague pathway, like a, a footpath almost, that leads to the library computer room, which you know heads further back into the library, kind of away from the exit. Oh, fun. Technology. And I'm going to uh, kind of just pop back to the break room. Is there the been... full on dance party happening? Whether you're a hamster or whether you're a mushroom, you stay alive, stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a disco party. I think some of the mushrooms are actually like emitting kind of like neon lights now. It's getting pretty uh, psychedelic in here. It's a fun guy rave. Get it, Wendell? And by association, Tessa. Yeah, what's up? If this is how you want to end the last moments of your life in a dance party, by all means. Continue, but there are worse ways to go, right? Yes, I mean, we could get swallowed up by the the sun, or uh, we could stay down in the archive with no memories to watch. I mean, I mean, seems pretty sweet to me. You've still yeah. never tried carrot water. You make a good point. I'm getting a little tired too. And uh, Wendell sort of like bounces a few more times on one of the big mushrooms and then rolls off. <sighs> so uh, the front door is inaccessible. As far as I can tell, you are welcome to try and touch it if you'd like, Tessa. I would actually encourage you on that point. Touch, why, what's up with the front door? What do you want me to touch it for? I mean, you can see it if you would leave your party. Well, I mean, it was a pretty fun party. It's a dance party without any other people, and it's the best kind of dance party for <laughs> an otaku, isn't it? With a hamster and some giant mushrooms. I have no earthly idea of what an otaku is you're just obviously not cool enough and i'll go and i'll touch the door tessa you head out of the break room and you see the scene that was just described and i I think you know you remember reading in like your onboarding materials with the void archive about Mm -hmm. the anti-fiction contingencies Uh. which more or less encase the library in a protective bubble of anti-fiction icor to prevent any works of fiction from escaping but also pretty much anything from escaping until the threat is contained oh i wait i I think i remembered something like i don't want to touch it because it'll be sticky and i'll be trapped here it's kind of like protective flypaper or something it keeps everything contained Oh, more's the pity. Oh, I, sorry, Tessa. That was uh, that was your known unknown move. I thought it might have been. Yeah. yeah. For, the, for the listeners, when you first encounter an entropic power, you automatically gain a clear understanding of its source effects and motives, if any, without having to roll to embrace chaos. I haven't rolled anything yes. yet, except for Wendell. Most important roll. Yeah. So, um. The three of you are in this reception area, this mushroom forest with the pathway to the computer lab uh, in one direction and the sealed exit the other way. If this is fiction being set loose and there's a story to be told, obviously the mushroom path is leading us somewhere. If the uh, most impressive and intelligent archivist that obviously knows her way around the library would like to take lead... Yeah, I mean, boredom is probably the worst way to go, especially when, you know, 
yeah, okay, let's go. And she'll just start skipping off down the mushroom path like it's the yellow brick road. <laughs> At this point, it might Fabulous. be. Fabulous. The three of you head down the mushroom path into the computer room. Ordinarily, this is a simple room filled with rows of, of computers for patrons to use. There are some of the Harlequin psychedelic mushrooms in here, but they don't appear to be nearly as prevalent. It's more accoutrement rather than a full forest. However, you do see ahead of you, all of the computers appear to be glitched up. Their screens are displaying rainbow bands of pixels over a black backdrop. The colorful striations seem to be bouncing playfully, almost dancing across the monitors. Even the computers are dancing. Clearly, it's some sort of uh, celebration, maybe? For like the end of times? Quite possibly, or at least the end of our times. The funkiest end of times imaginable. Was that from Wendell? Yeah, let's say yes. (laughs) (laughs) The funkiest end of times imaginable. He rolls his uh, little ball over to one of the computers, but it's on a desk, so he's just kind of sitting on the floor looking up at it. Tessa will pick him up and put him in, in front of the keyboard. Yeah, he, he just kind of like sits in front of the keyboard and rolls back and forth a little bit side to side in a jaunty fashion. Once again, like he's dancing. Wendell has discovered, as I have playing Wendell, that he loves to dance. Yeah, Wendell so the does, dancing hamster. <laughs> so does Tessa. She's currently doing the robot because technology. Fabulous. Does there seem to be like any rhyme or reason to what's happening on the screen? Give me a roll to assess reality. Obviously, I see nothing because it's a four. Oh, no. Uh, Okay. (laughs) On a miss, you might reveal crucial information or the GM might have you ask two questions, but give you some information that is inaccurate. Uh, I'm going to go with the second one this time. So pick two questions, but some or all of the information, the answers I give you will be wrong. First, I'm going to go with what here is useful or valuable to me. And uh, second, what happened here? Clearly, the the fictional breach has affected this area. But, you know, Mags, it's a bunch of computers on the the fritz. You know, I don't know if anything here is useful or valuable to you. I don't like technology in the first place. It's rarely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if nothing's stopping you, you should just keep going. You can see the door to the the next section of the, the library, the children's corner. I mean, obviously... Look, you two, I get the dancing thing. Um, I'm glad you were discovering yourselves here. But as far as I can tell, there's nothing we really need here. And it might be better to move on unless, again, you're willing to die for a dance party, which at this point, I'm half believing you would be. (laughs) Oh, don't be like that. Come on. At least we've got the good endorphins going on instead of the adrenaline and all the cortisol and the stress hormones. Uh, GM, can I use cross-reference to try and hack the computers? Remind me what cross-reference is slash does. You may mark one reverie to call forth from the archive the memory of a technique or skill that you do you yourself do not possess. If you leverage this knowledge to address a problem or obstacle, you may roll plus wits instead of the normally associated stat for a basic move. Yeah, so for the Void Archivist, reverie is your playbook-specific essence. 
essence is a, a resource that players have to do a couple of things, to use certain playbook moves, to push themselves so they can roll three dice and discard the lowest, or to avoid all harm from a single attack. So yeah, go ahead, Tessa, uh, Mark One Reverie, and uh, tell me about what is the memory that you are recalling from the archive to help you here? Okay, so you might notice that a lot of Tessa's memories are of people watching or reading things, not actually experiencing them herself or themselves. So she will call forth the memory of someone watching that trilogy series about the guy with who was inside the computers. His name was something like Geo or something like that. <laughs> not copyright specific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Incredible. Fabulous. I love it. So the move here is actually going to be to embrace chaos. Mm-hmm. When you contend with a source of entropic power, roll plus chaos. On a 10 plus, choose two. On a seven and nine, you choose one and I choose one. But because you are using your cross-reference, you can go ahead and roll wits instead of chaos. Ooh, I rolled three dice, right? Do I take the two highest? Uh, you would need to mark another. If you wanted to push yourself, uh, you'd need to mark another reverie, and then you could roll 3d6 and discard the lowest. Seven. On a seven and nine, you choose one from the list, and then I choose one. The options are, you gain a clear understanding of the power's source, effect, and motives, if any. Mm. You quell the power's effect or fan its flames. You briefly wield this power's effect. You subvert this power to achieve your ends, take plus one forward. You inflict or heal one harm on a nearby target, or you mark or erase one essence. I kind of like the idea of you subvert this power to achieve your ends. Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. So I think you you pull up to the computer here, Tessa, and you start typing away. And as you do, your hands feel just a little little bit tingly. I, I think what it is is, you know, a little bit of the void's power sort of stored stored up in this machine as you sort of release it and gain its strength. My option that I'm going to choose as the GM <laughs> is to fan the flames of this power. Tessa, as you are typing on this computer... The screen does something slightly odd as Wendell is sort of dancing in front of it. Specifically, you see a big toothy grin appear amidst the rainbow bands. It is unsettlingly wide and unwavering, and it curls upwards towards the corners. Initially, she's like, I'm one of the void. And then she's like, (laughs) oh, shit, what's that? Seriously, what is what is that? I think the computer's alive. Did I see that? Uh, I think you're on the other end of the room at this point, so you certainly hear the hubbub, but I don't know that you see specifically what's happening on the screen that Tessa and Wendell are standing in front of. Tessa, as you are shouting, the smile expands, uh, or what it is expands. Slowly materializing around the smile is a, a pair of whiskers. And it is followed by a cat's face and neck. And as the rest of the body comes into view, you can see that its torso is actually an overlarge pastry with faded pink frosting and fuchsia berry freckles. And Mags, you hear this as much as Tessa, from all of the computers, an upbeat synth pop song starts to play. And Tessa, this smiling cat face, starts to push outward from the screen and into three-dimensional space. Can I grab the keyboard and try and mesh it back into the screen? Yeah, give me a roll to fight for your life. When you directly engage a threat, roll plus pluck. I've got a plus one forward, so four on the dice, plus one forward is is five, plus my what? Pluck? 
Minus pluck. one. That's four. Ooh. On a miss, you might get maimed, captured, or toyed with. I would see this happening, right? Oh, yeah. You definitely see this now. Uh, I think you're heading back with this hubbub. This is this yeah. is kind of part of your, your failure on your assess reality. You see this cat face with a what can only be described as a Pop-Tart body push out from this screen and its mouth opens exceedingly wide and it clamps those very, very sharp teeth onto Tessa's shoulder. Tessa, you're going to go ahead and take one harm. Ow! And the cat sort of dragging this rainbow screen with it, almost like a, a rainbow that's that's trailing behind it, leaps down and lands on top of Wendell and starts like rolling away with him. Wendell! Okay, I don't know why, but I didn't get the weapon marked, but I was hoping to have the hand carved wand, if that's fine. Sure, yeah. I probably like shoved that little like stick into my satchel. I pull it out and we don't really have a defined on what the curios look like, right? No, whatever whatever you want it to look like. Okay, so do you remember like back in the early 2000s where it was like such a fad to have like all those little keychains hanging off of your phone? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I pull out the wand and like dangling from the end of it, tied by like this little piece of metal is a little tiny jar that has been probably taped over the head or like glued. And it's you can just like see um, the blue ball lightning inside of it just like bouncing around. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yes. And I am just going to use the wand and using bound lightning, just yell like stop at this um, Pop-Tart cat. Are you trying to convince the cat to stop or are you letting loose the bound lightning? I am letting loose the bound lightning. I'm like, I'm just using stop as like the uh, spell. Got it. Okay. I don't actually think you need to roll here because the cat is distracted, rolling Wendell up to one of the other monitors and you're further away. Your bound lightning has more reach than this cat's attack. So what does it look like as this lightning comes out? It's a fairly straight shot for the most part as it comes out of the wand. It's still got that like bluish like hint to it. There is probably little tails of lightning trailing from it as it probably hits the cat as dead center as I can. So this lightning arcs out. I do think it jumps a couple of the computer monitors and, and fries them and strikes this Pop-Tart cat. And I think we see like a comedic little smoke cloud that that rises up. In response, the flowing rainbow that is is following this cat around as it moves almost like a tail wraps around wendell's ball uh, and wendell's like oh god somebody help me as the cat launches wendell towards one of the monitors and then disappears god i was never a cat person <laughs> wendell no you should have saved yourself and then she'll try and dive in after him I think I'm going to have this be a save your skin, which usually is only used for yourself, but I think it's the best move for this situation because you're not facing mm -hmm, fear here. Mm -hmm. So give me a roll to save your skin. When you take advantage of an opening to run, hide, or otherwise evade danger, roll plus wits. Okay, I rolled five on the dice and I've got two for wits, so seven. On a seven and nine, you can choose to escape or not, but there will be a price to pay if you do. We'll reflavor this slightly. On a seven to nine, you can choose to save Wendell or not, but there will be a price to pay if you do. Totally saving Wendell and paying that price. I figured that would probably be the case. Yeah. 
I think you grab Wendell out of the air and, and sort of reel him in almost like a like a wide receiver mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a surprising display, a surprising but clumsy display of athleticism. I think as you do, however, you realize that your legs have sort of been tied together by this rainbow, which seems to have some sort of corporeal force. Uh, and the cat is running circles around your legs and has sort of bound them together in its little rainbow tail trail trail tail so i go over i take it (laughs) probably i mean you tell me if you try to move certainly but i don't i don't imagine tessa has like the the best balance particularly after catching a flying hamster yeah no and and all that energy expansion was probably just too much for her so she's just like ah and goes down with wendell clutched in her arms so you go down and the the cat is now dragging, I think, the, the two of you with its rainbow trailer tail towards uh, one of the monitors. And all the while, this upbeat synth pop music is just getting louder and louder throughout the room. Is the lyrics nothing but meow, meow, meow? Yes. Yes, they are. I am. I am very tempted just to grab the hamster and leave. Oh, she's fetal positioning around window. Yes. So I'm going to just point the wand at the cat. If you do not want to be burnt to a blackened little crisp and fill the room with whatever fruit you have inside of you, I would drop them. It opens its mouth in what looks like a hiss, but instead the music just like peaks to a, a really uncomfortably loud volume. And it breaks away from the monitor and starts running towards you. I'm going to flick the wand and use the bound lightning again to electrocute this thing. Give me a roll to fight for your life. And I get to use that with the bound lightning, so it's plus chaos instead of pluck. Yes. Which is good, because I need that, because that takes that from a five to a seven. (laughs) Hey, there you go. So on a seven to nine, uh, you and your opponent inflict harm on one another, as established, so... I think your lightning hits first here. The cat, as it's running towards you, you can see it smile like that over large toothy smile. And as it does, everything else starts to disappear. Like the rest of its body kind of starts to fade away. You know, it's rainbow tail and it's goofy pop tart torso and and its head all fade away. And it's just that smile bounding towards you. And just as it's about to disappear, you you make contact with the, the lightning And again, there's sort of that like cartoon electrocution effect. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as it's sort of smoking, the cat lands on you and takes a big bite in your your shoulder for one heart. Ow. I know, right? As this happens, it's just the, the smile. And Tessa, you feel the constriction around your legs start to dissipate. And that smile goes sort of bounding back towards one of the monitors, one of the ones that hasn't been destroyed by the lightning, leaps into the monitor, becomes two-dimensional again, and then starts to slowly fade away. And as it does, the upbeat synth pop starts to, to fade. Oh, no, are you okay? Yeah, I'm I'm okay. That was, oh God, is this what the sun is like? Does it like try to suck you into its celestial being? Yeah, but harder like you're being cooked. No, that's that's what cats are just like. The musical is even worse. Oh, look at their butts. (laughs) Is there anything of use or helpful or interest on what's left of the computer screens or or not? 
Uh, I think there's still a handful that are not sort of destroyed. All of them are displaying that kind of uh, dancing rainbow pattern. Okay, I'll climb underneath the tables and unplug all the computers. Yeah, you uh, you, you unplug them. Uh, none, none of them turn off. <laughs> oh, dear. We really are inside that computer movie thing. Just a slow clap. Is there anything I... else you'd want to try in here? Tessa, if you'd like to assess reality as you're sort of like studying these computers, uh, you, you could go and roll for that if you're interested. I actually rolled good. A 14. Oh, 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 yeah. On a 10 plus, you get to hold two. The list of questions again are, what happened here? What's my best route? Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? What here is useful or valuable to me? What here is not what it appears to be? Or who or what is really in control here? First of all, what here is useful or valuable to me? Yeah, I, I don't think anything is useful or valuable to you at this point. The cat seems to have retreated back into the computers. Mm. So yeah, I, I don't think anything in this room is useful or valuable to you. I don't know whether or not to ask who or what is really in control here or what's my best route. Probably what's my best route, right? Tessa, I will say you have a pretty clear and unimpeded path to the other exit of this room, uh, which heads to the, the children's corner. I will also say, you know, for what's your best route, you know, more broadly, you know that if this was caused, as the announcement said, by a fiction book being placed in the nonfiction section, you'll need to get back to the nonfiction section, which <sighs> should be just past the children's corner. Well, I, I think we have to properly shelve the misshelved book in order to fix this problem. I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. I'm sure you had so many other things on your mind. I know, right? I mean, we're we're almost at the end of... I gotta pull it up again. <laughs> I mean, we're we're so close to the end of Immortal Novelist Blushing Mansion. How, how could we really think about anything else? You know, Mags, you can't, you can't blame us. Wendell's yeah, we, like rolling around in circles in his ball. We've we've got to find out, Mags, who ends up with the house and who ends up with the immortal novelist. Or if there's a twist ending, like they end up with each other. That's what I'm pulling for. I mean, it's in the title, Immortal Novelist Blushing Mansion. Ah, totally, I mean, yeah. But, you know, there could be another twist. Oh, a twist on a twist. You know, Someone should have put Immortal Novelist Blushing Mansion into the nonfiction section. Then we could have lived it. Ah, maybe we still can. Oh, this is the best idea. Ah, Wendell, you're great. Ah, thanks. Anyway, we got to fix this problem first, though. Yes, please. I understand nothing of the last two minutes of what you two just said. (laughs) (laughs) To the nonfiction section. The three of you exit out of the computer room. I think once again, you can see the forest of mushrooms is pretty thick in this area, leading into the children's corner. There's sort of a a meadow in this this forest up ahead, and you can see just the strangest, most eclectic, anachronistic Harlequin collection of undersized furniture, children's furniture, little chairs, little tables, little toys, all sorts of things. You know, children's toys already look a little bit garish, a little bit overly colorful. That dial has has definitely gone up to 11. But that's that's certainly not the most interesting thing that you see in this space. The most interesting thing that you see, Mags, you see Hank, your rival, the small business owner, 
<sighs> he is seated at a squat circular kids reading table. He is wearing an oversized top hat and an antique tailcoat. And seated next to him around this table are several oversized stuffed animals, a mouse, a hare, and a caterpillar. And all four of them are gingerly sipping tea and snacking on an assortment of tiny snacks on little silver trays. What do you do? Is there any way to get by them without being seen? <laughs> you could try. Give me a roll to save your skin. Tell me what this looks like. Are you like skirting the outskirts of the mushroom forest here? Probably. Mags is probably trying to like go from that mushroom stalk to that mushroom stalk, really trying to be seen because mm, Hank is the most pedantic, boring man I have ever met. I swear, he doesn't appreciate anything that he has. Can I point out that Wendell and Tessa are not doing this? <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, you said it, save your we'll, skin? We'll jump back to you in a second. Uh, yeah, save your skin. When you take advantage of an opening, these folks haven't seen you yet, to run, hide, or otherwise evade danger, roll plus wits. Seven. <laughs> On a seven nine, you can choose to escape or not, but there will be a price to pay if you do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go off menu here a little bit with this seven to nine. Mags, you slip across without being noticed, and you reach the far end of the kids section, which sort of, again, the, the forest thickens a little bit, but you can see there's a sign that says nonfiction section. You head that way, and everything gets a little fuzzy, and then suddenly you find yourself standing back right next to Tessa and Wendell. Um, um, I did move, right, Tessa? What? Tessa, you felt the exact same thing, but you didn't move at all. Um, uh, I don't know. I wasn't paying any attention. Me or Ender were talking about um how cute those little little stuffed toys are as they're drinking like tea and stuff. I want to be friends with them. I know, right? I mean, they're not even people, but that's exactly I mean, why it would be great because they're not even people. I'm not a person either. Yeah. We'll just Being have to people get... is overrated, frankly. But yeah, we Hank... just gotta get rid of that guy. Maybe, Hank maybe, uh, Max, you could get rid of the guy and me and Wendell. We can, like, have a tea party. Uh, I don't want to talk to Hank. Please, you deal with it, Tessa. You obviously know how to talk with people after seeing so many memories, of course. What if we just, like, shove his top hat down over his face and tie him up and, like, toss him off somewhere else? Then we don't, neither of us have to talk to him. I'm willing to try that. Awesome. I will push the top hat down over his face and you tie him up and do all the other heavy lifting because I think I pulled something when I saved Wendell and I don't think I can do anything like that for the next 48, well, for a while anyway. Okay. This is going to be a little tricky. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be, let's start with a save your skin to sneak up on, on Hank in his Ugh. big top hat. Hmm, Both of do us I are think just... I can roll good enough? <laughs> I guess I can roll okay. We'll try. Plus Remember, wits. you can push yourself if you would like. You can spend an essence to roll 3d6 and discard the lowest. Okay, we'll try that. Okay. Eight on the dice plus two, nine. Okay. No, eight on the dice plus two is ten. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Math, evil. Right? On a 10 plus, you're in the clear, though it may take a few minutes before the danger is passed. I think you are able to sneak around here to surprise uh, Hank. Yeah, and she'll be hiding under a blankie, crouched lower from bookshelf to bookshelf kind of thing. So what is your end goal here? 
main goal is to get rid of the guy. So we shove it down over his head. Mags is meant to tie him up and we just kind of toss him off to the side so we can have tea with the stuffed toys. Okay. Give me a roll to, I think, probably fight for your life when you directly <laughs> engage a threat. Roll plus pluck. Yeah, I, I think that's my, probably oh the the best move here. I'm going to do. Go ahead and take think, a uh-huh. go and take a plus one because you have the drop on him. Okay, should I spin another essence here, Alice, or not? <laughs> I mean, that's on you. Another thing you could do, Mags, you could help out, which is basically the same thing, but you mark the essence instead of the person ah. making the move. Which would make sense in the fiction since you're you are sort of helping. Yeah, with this. I think what instead of uh, pushing, I'm going to use the imp of the perverse. Mags probably has like a whole bunch of rings on their fingers, and one of these specifically like like looks like one of those little Halloween like bright orange plastic toys you get at trick or treating. Mm-hmm. And instead of like a spider on top, it's like a little goblin, and they just kind of like flick at it, half hoping to this entropic force as they go and shove Hank. Yeah, okay, Tessa, go ahead and fight for your life. Roll three d6 and discard the lowest. Well, I rolled a nine, and I have minus one pluck, but with the with the plus one you gave me, it's still a nine. <laughs> okay, so I th- I think we're playing with the rules just a little bit here, because if you'd gotten a 10 plus, uh, you could have chosen yeah. force them where you want them, which I think would let you sort of tie them up. So I, I think, Tessa, what happens here is you're able to grab hold of of Hank and restrain him, but you're, you're not able to like tie him up and get rid of him. Like you, you have to hold on to him. All right, holding on to him. And now he's he's clearly noticed you and says, what are you doing here, Mags? Have you come to join the tea party? Hi. Unhand me, librarian. I'm not a librarian. I'm a cat. Because she's wearing a kitty cat onesie, and she's like koala grabbed him. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first talking cat. Meow, meow. Mags. Uh, I, I should add at this point, all of the stuffed animals have gotten up from the, the table and are kind of encircling the, the two of you. Ah, uh, Tess is starting to think, oh no, these guys are evil too, aren't they? Shit. So uh, about that idea of yours, Tess? Uh, yeah? Where is it going? Well, <laughs> not too well at the moment, because I think the stuffed toys are evil. Window! Hank repeats, are you here to join the tea party? Uh, yeah, Wendell has popped up onto the, the table with the tea and has kind of like rolled over some snacks, like hoovering them up through his bowl. And he's doing a little dance trying to get the attention of the stuffed animals, but it doesn't seem to be working. Hey, I'm here to join the tea party. Come on. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. If I let go, will they like back up? Do you uh, let go of, of Hank? I'm asking him that. If you join the tea party, we can all have a lovely time. I really started to rethink this idea completely, but I'll let go of him. Yeah, you let go, and uh, the stuffed animals stop. Stop moving. But they don't back up, right? Uh, not immediately. I'll back up a couple of steps. Yeah, uh, everyone sits back down at the table. Does anyone have a wet wipe or a antibacterial gel? This is the closest I've gotten to an actual another person, and I don't know how long. Hank in the hat hands you a moist towelette. Uh, is it loose? I mean, he's touched it, right? 
there's like um, a dispenser in the center of the table. Oh, oh, this is looking bitter and bitter. So Tisra <laughs> go wipe like onesie and all, all up her arms across her chest, down her tummy, legs, wherever she touched another person. Wendell rolls up to the mouse, the stuffed animal mouse, and is just like, hey, so, uh, so what's your story? This is my first time out of the basement in like 18 years. Hamsters aren't supposed to live this long, but I've kind of got a special deal going. <laughs> Mags, what are you doing? Well, I'm definitely not the strongest or the most pluckiest. So if if is it like join the tea party or these giant stuffed animals are going to circle it on me again? Uh, why don't you give me a roll to assess reality? I'm going to just push myself on that one. Sure. So roll 3d6 and discard the lowest. Yes, please. Oh, well, uh, that's never going to happen to me again. All three of these what? are sixes. Whoa. <gasps> yeah, I will never see that okay. again in a 2d6 game ever or 3d6 game. On a 10 plus hold two. Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? I don't think so. Just to run through them quickly. There's Hank, who is behaving extremely oddly and is dressed extremely oddly compared to, you know, the main street small business owner that you you know and don't love. The stuffed animals, they're definitely sentient. They don't seem to be speaking, but when you made a move against Hank, they didn't seem to appreciate it. And then, you know, there was that that weird thing when you tried to leave and you don't really know what that's about, but that's probably also a danger. Okay, um who or what is really in control here? Yeah, I think so I think everyone is sitting sitting down to have tea and Hank's mouth is just like a nonstop motor. He's just talking constantly, almost nonsensically at times. He's like reciting weird poems like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Bat. Mm. You know, he's asking riddles like, why is a raven like a writing desk? But at one point, he's he sort of flops back in his chair and he has to catch his hat from falling off. And he says, oh, my, what a predicament to find myself in. I have killed time and thus shall I always be supping tea. Woe, woe is me. Do you always talk this much? Because you're really annoying. He usually talks this much, but uh, usually not Hank, like this. Hank, uh, Hank looks at you, Tessa, and his, his eyes narrow. He says, you not having fun at the tea party? I just want to know, where, where did you get all this food from? Because, I mean, if it came from the library, I really want to know so I can get it next time myself. I mean, I've already got popcorn. The food's always been here. What are you talking about? We've I never get... had a problem getting food for our tea party. Hank, where do you know me from? Hank looks at you and he like he starts talking and he's like, "Oh, uh, have you come to a tea party before by chance?" I'm more of a coffee drinker. No, I I think you must have come to a tea party. Yes, that's the only way I would know you. I think he's high. The two of you start to feel that tingling sensation in the back of your brain again. Uh oh. I think it's best that uh, we don't join this tea oh dear. party, Tessa. Yeah. I have killed time, woe is me! And suddenly everything goes foggy, and then the two of you are standing at the entrance to the children's room again. Where's Wendell? Uh, Wendell's by your side. Okay, just checking. And ahead of you, you see a tea party. Just getting underway. This is weird. Do we both remember the last- Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. we stuck in a time loop. I've seen I've... that. I've seen that on multiple manga uh, and animes, <laughs> you know, especially the one called Newscaster's Beastly Sanctuary. It happened all the time. 
Do you just have like a generator of these? Yes, I do. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, once again, you find yourselves uh, standing just at the edge of Hank in his top hat and his tea party. Could I use known unknowns here? When you first encounter an atropic power, you automatically gain a clear understanding of its source effects and motives, if any, without having to roll to embrace chaos. Yeah, I think at this point you can tell time's gone all all wonky here. All wibbly wobbly. It's a time loop. You're stuck in a time loop. Do I see any time pieces around here? Just sort of looking from where you are, uh, no, you don't see any any time pieces. So... What do you know about killing time, besides all the time you've wasted in your basement? What are you talking about? That's not wasted time. We're plucking all of the select good juiciest bits of memories. We are are using our time wisely to experience the best things that other people have already experienced. Well, How else do you think we could find other shows like Oblivion with robot rivals? I mean, that's the best one yet, but yeah. Yeah, there's a time loop in that one, too. I'm there going to pretend is. I'm gonna pretend I know anything about that show and how did they get out of the time loop? Uh try to remember, did we watch the ending for that way? Because there's a lot of them where you know there's just one season and then when they're supposed to finish it up in the second season, the second season isn't released. And I mean sometimes the second season, you know, they haven't donated it to the archive yet, so you know, you gotta wait and then it's like two years and then they come in and they just dump the whole season all at once. You know, it used to be that people would come in on a regular basis and you know, like once a week you'd get like a little snippet of memory, but now it's just all at once and I, I don't I don't no. Yeah, I, I mean, like and then there was that one time between between seasons for Amazing Sparks before Flames. There was a ten whole years in between season two and season oh, three. That was wild. So to answer your question, uh, no, we don't know how they they got out of it. But <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the top hat. We could just destroy the top hat. Because like, isn't there this one like Christmas special with a snow person? Wore like uh, a magical garment and that brought him to life. Maybe if we take away this guy's hat, it'll kill him. I mean, it'll kill kill the time problem. I mean, I don't or really it kill him. I mean, if if Hank dies again, um, what was what they were saying over the intercom? Um, thank you for your sacrifice and all that yada yada. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all meant to die. So I mean, once you're encased in the amber echo stuff, like uh, that's it. They've given up. They've gone home. So yeah, just I'm, wait for I'm, us to die. I'm not too attached to him. Okay, so we've got to get his hat. I mean, instead of putting it on his head, we've got to take it off his head. Do you want to, like, get close to him to do it? I don't want to touch him again. I mean, you've proven that uh, you can do it. And one more time, I'll probably pass out. There, I wouldn't be any help to you whatsoever. I mean, we'll just reset, it seems, regardless. Not if we fix the problem, and I could just be lying around while you're enjoying tea with those awesome little stuffed toys. Can I steal the mouse, by the way? That uh, that's really cute. The mouse is about four feet tall. Oh my and god, sentient, it's even so... better. <laughs> <laughs> it might be hard to steal, but you could certainly try. Or we could just throw Wendell at his hat and problem solved. We don't even have to approach him. But only if Wendell's willing, of course. I wouldn't sacrifice him or anything like that. You want to throw me at a top hat in the middle of a tea party? 
I mean, it was just With one sentient suggestion. sentient stuffed animals. Just one suggestion that we always not like we're definitely doing it. We're asking for your consent first because consent Tessa? is important. Yes. Make my dreams come true. Woohoo! And she'll pick uh, Wendell up in his hamster ball and, and um, try and softball pitch, which will be fun considering she's probably never done any sports at the top hat. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I'm not going to make you roll here. You you lob Wendell and I think you hit the top hat off of Hank's head and he looks across the room and says, what have you done with my top hat? Why would you do that? Wendell wanted it. Go, Wendell. So nothing's happened. No. Uh, Wendell, Wendell, get back here. Wendell starts rolling back and Hank picks him up. No! Are you here to disrupt our tea party? That wouldn't be very nice of you. We might have to I don't like this, this Tessa. I hate him. I'm beginning to see why. Yeah, he's not much better without the top hat. You or know what? the library. You two are no fun at all. Perhaps it would be best if we changed places. What? Both of you roll me a d6, please. Just mm. one. This is a custom move that I have written for this scene. Yeah. Four. That's a one. So I'm never going to get that uh, one. Cool. Both of you blink. And as you close your eyes, you're in your body. And as you open mm. them, you're in a different body. Mags. You look down and see your hands are stuffed animal hands. <laughs> you you appear to be in the hair. Tessa, mm. you find yourself encased in a plastic sphere. <laughs> oh, no, I'm Wendell. And you are in Wendell's body. <laughs> I start running around and banging up against Hank's legs. Like, <laughs> Is Hank Hank? Uh, yes, Hank is still Hank. Well, as far as you can tell. <laughs> Wendell! Wendell, where are you? You see your body, Tessa, and your body's like holding its hands up, and you hear your voice say, Oh my gosh, this is so cool! I've got opposable thumbs? Whoa! Hey, uh, guy, I'll, I'll totally stay at your tea party if, uh, if I can keep, if I can stay in here. This is rad. Wendell! And Hank says, see, we're having more fun already. And he raises up a teacup to cheers. And the other two stuffed animals do as well, Mags. Do I have any autonomy or does my hand raise as well? Oh, no, you do. You're, you're fully in control of your stuffed animal body. What is Mags's body doing? Yeah. What is my body doing? Yeah, you're, <laughs> your body comes and sits on your lap. <laughs> Squishy. Because that's where it thinks it's supposed to be. You're trapped. <laughs> uh, Hank once again starts talking almost endlessly, reciting weird poems and asking riddles, getting up and pacing around the table and pouring tea again and again for everyone. Tessa's just rolling around on the hamster ball, trying to take in every drink from a different point of view or point of angle to see if there's anything there she might have missed from her previous positioning. Yeah, give me a roll to assess reality. Assess reality. Oh no. I rolled snake eyes. Oh no. <laughs> Even with my plus two wits, that's a four. So what happens on a miss for the GM, those are suggestions in Absurdia. They're not necessarily set in stone. So I think I kind of want to do something different here. 
Tessa, you're trying to look around, but you're inhabiting a hamster's body. And so I think on some level, you're also contending with a hamster's brain and attention span. And I think you just sort of lose focus and and roll off onto the table and find yourself like eating all of these treats at this tea party. And they make you feel kind of (laughs) weird. And you're going to take minus one ongoing in this scene. Joy, I just want to point out that a hamster's attention span is probably the same as Tessa's, so... <laughs> okay, well, it was Not the hamster urge to, yeah. <laughs> to eat snacks. <laughs> shoving them in, she's just shoving them in her, in her mouth and her cheeks are puffing up and, yeah. Oh. Mags, you are in the body of a stuffed hare and your body is sitting on top of you. Yes, um... Similar to Tessa, taking like this new uh, point of view, I'm going to see if there's anything I haven't particularly noticed yet. Yeah, give me a roll to assess reality. That is a seven. On a seven and nine, hold one. I'm going to say what's my best route as in what's my best route to get out of this time loop? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As a fan of your characters, I'll I'll sort of work with that. I think... You know, you're you're dealing with yourself sitting on you in your hair body. You know, so there's not a whole lot you you notice. You're you're relegated mostly to searching your own person, mm-hmm. and you reach into the pocket of your stuffed waistcoat and find inside that there is a pocket watch. It is stopped. It is not moving. It is just like a regular size pocket watch. Yes. Would I be able just to like wind the pocket watch up? Let's see. I mean, I am a stuffed animal, so. Yeah, I think you try this as a stuffed animal and nothing seems to happen. As you're doing that and Tessa, as you're in Wendell's body, just noshing on some food, both of you feel this tingling sensation coming over you. And Hank the Hatter tips back in his chair once more and says, I have killed time, woe is me. And the scene fades away. And once again, you are standing at the edge of the children's corner, a tea party taking place in front of you. I never want warm, fuzzy feelings again. That was weird. <laughs> you are back in your bodies. Wendell, are you okay? I had thumbs, man. I had thumbs. I want him back. No, uh, Wendell mine. rolls over to you and like bumps into you, into your leg multiple times. I want Ow. him back. How? Wendell starts rolling towards the tea party. <laughs> no, hey, you Hank, don't. Do the changing places again. No, no. And she'll run over and pick up Wendell and run back. I think it might be best that we uh play along. What? Have some fun. Did you get hit with the head that I didn't notice? No, but I did find some other things that it might not be wise to clue them onto. Okay. Okay, so the two of you are headed to the tea party? Yes. Yep. Okay. You pull up chairs and Hank the Hatter pours you some tea and says, Oh, it's so lovely to have guests at the tea party. Drink up, drink up, drink up. And what so is the difference between a quail and a carrot? The spelling. Oh, clever. Yes, very well done. Drink uh, up, drink up, drink up. Have a crumpet. What's that over there? And she'll point off in a direction, and when he goes to look, she'll toss the tea over her shoulder and then pretend she's, like, drunk it. Yeah, okay. We're going to get the last of the basic moves here. I was wondering if we were going to get all of them. <laughs> Give me a roll to hoodwink. When you lie, mislead, or trick someone to achieve your ends, roll plus cheek. Do I still have that minus one ongoing, or was it only during that time loop? It was only during that loop, so you're good. 
Okay, well, it's not going to work. I only rolled a five. On a miss, you might find yourself caught, trapped, or otherwise in hot water. Ouch. Can I help out? Uh, you can't help out after the fact, unfortunately. Ah. So uh, Hank is looking around, and, and you try to toss the tea over your shoulder, and he snaps back with surprising speed and says, Why would you pour out my tea? I brewed it especially for... Well, I didn't know you were coming, but nonetheless, it's very inhospitable. Well, I mean, obviously, the uh, grass had to enjoy some, too. You would hate to be a horrible host to the grass. Yeah, I make grass a people, right? Give me a roll to sway <laughs> here. Five, six, plus one is seven. Yeah, so on a seven, nine, with your silver tongue, you get to choose the option that Hank the Hatter chooses. As much as I really like going for the interesting choices, I'm just going to, um, they stall and dither for a while. Yeah, Hank leans over to the grass and says, perhaps it does like it. I don't know. Grass, tell me the truth. Do you enjoy tea? And Hank the Hatter is now engaged in uh, a conversation with the grass for a little while. I would like to go ahead and pickpocket the pocket watch. (laughs) Pickpocket the pocket watch off of the April hair, I guess. (laughs) Excellent. Well done. Yeah, so uh, give me a roll to hoodwink when you lie, mislead, or trick someone to achieve your ends, roll plus cheek. Nine. Woo-hoo. Okay, on a seven to nine, your ploy works, but I'll introduce a complication or consequence. You reach into the pocket of the hair and you get hold of the pocket watch, but as you retract your hand, it grabs hold of yours and holds out its hand uh, as though it wants something in return. If you want this watch, you're going to need to give something up. Would it be satisfied with just me giving up a few rings? If your rings represent your imp of the perverse, then yes. Fine. Yeah, I'll give up the little bright orange plastic imp of the perverse ring. The hair, I think you see can see like the fabric kind of stretch into what you think is supposed to be a smile, and it pockets the imp of the perverse and lets go of the pocket watch well i am definitely winding the pocket watch now with my now human skin hands you start winding the pocket watch give it like a few good cranks and then it starts to tick 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 i don't know that anything changes physically or or you feel any different necessarily but that watch is ticking i'm just gonna discreetly pocket the pocket watch into one of into like my satchel. Okay. And I'll be talking to um, Hank going, maybe it wants sugar with its tea, you know? Oh, good point. And Hank goes back and grabs several sugar cubes and drops them on the grass. You might have to crush them up for it. He like stamps them into the ground. Oh, don't kill the grass though. What are you doing, Hank? What are you doing? Tessa. Um, oh dear. Have you forgotten our oh, no. appointment? Appointment? Okay, I'm sorry, Hank, I gotta leave you to your turf war. I, I've got an appointment with a thing over there. Yes, we're, we're we're running very late. Late? It's almost time for the tea party. Uh, we've got a very important social engagement we've got to get to. Yes, uh, dance party with the mushrooms and all that. Oh, yeah, the mushrooms! And she'll start dancing. <laughs> Wendell's like, are, are we good? Yes. He starts rolling frantically towards the exit. The three of you run and you hear the sound of chairs sort of scuffling against grass and Hank shout one more time, but the tea party! Screw your tea! I prefer milkshakes. 
And the three of you pass Mags, the sort of liminal barrier that you ran up against before, uh, and you move through it and into the mushroom forest. I swear I'm dumping an entire thermos of tea on his head the next time I see him. Oh, when you said dumping, I thought there was something more to that, like, hidden attachment you were talking about, or that you two are in some kind of, like, hidden romance. But this is the kind of thing that would have totally happened on Gothic Soldiers. With Gothic Soldiers! Yeah, Yeah, totally. She's so Belinda, isn't she? I think she's more of a Maleficent. Maleficent? What are you talking about? Just because you had such a huge crush on Maleficent because she had so much hair? What? No, no, that's no, that's not even true. It's, it's you, you, that's not even true. <laughs> uh, as the three of you are having this conversation, making your way through the fiction section, adorned with these harlequin mushrooms that are growing up from the floor or down from the ceiling and like sprouting from various bookshelves, you up ahead see a clearing. There's a ring of shelves that has been blasted over, forming a circular amphitheater almost. On the leveled shelves, there are hundreds of books that are... The best way to describe them is is sitting up. Their covers are open, the pages are flapping back and forth. They're bouncing up and down by themselves in a scene that looks strangely but decidedly like a royal court chamber. And at the center of this hubbub, you see... Darcy. Ah... He is dressed in a flouncy Victorian ball gown with a big <laughs> red cartoon heart embroidered over the chest. He's holding in one hand a bright pink croquet mallet that is shaped like a flamingo, while the other is clutching the stack of books that you saw previously. And he turns to you, and I think that the crowd, the court of books turn to you, and the rustling of pages falls silent, and Darcy says... It's my two favorite people. Welcome to the extravaganza. Tessa will look behind her over her shoulder like he's talking to someone else. You two, you know how it is. You have all these boring, menial tasks. You have to file the books for all the people. You can't just hang out in the archive and do our normal jobs. Have to deal with all the books that somehow wind up down there. And oh, whoops, whoops. You put one book in the nonfiction section and everything goes a little haywire. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. (coughs) It's enough to make me want to take off someone's head. Oh, so Darcy, did you just admit that this is all your fault? What? My? My fault? Well, you were the one who was shelving the books, right? Obviously, he can't categorize worth a shit. This is why he's still so low down in the archives. My my fault? My fault? I wasn't shelving the books in the wrong place. I don't even work here. Ungrateful. We're the same level, Darcy. Off with your head! That's so original. I'm pretty sure I've seen that in multiple books. Tessa, give me a roll to face fear here. But it's Darcy. Specifically (laughs) because Darcy takes one of those books, throws it towards you, and as it sails forward, it flattens into what appears to be a card. And at that, uh, a very large uh, and sharp one. So give me a roll to to face fear to get out of the way before this strikes you and hopefully doesn't take off your head. Well, I rolled a 10, but my pluck is minus one, so nine. On a seven to nine, there's a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. 
Tessa, we have established you are not a an agile or dexterous person. It's very rare. It depends on the roll of a dice. I think you're not going to be able to get out of the way. Y- your only chance here is to block this with something. So either you're going to have to pull out, you know, some of your your equipment here, your void quill or your empty tome, and that's going to take the brunt of it. You're going to have to hold Wendell up and he's going to have to take the brunt of it or you're going to have to take the hit yourself. I'm going to hold up my tome, which I want to point out is covered in ribbons and sequins. Unfortunately, it takes the brunt of this strike from this sharp, overlarge card, and it slices clean through it. Your leather-bound tome is demolished. What? What do the two of you do? Darcy, do you know how long it took me to decorate my tome? Have you ruined it? Just, like, flinging cards around like that, that, that mutant guy bit it from the ex-people? See, it's, you could have been helping me with these books or doing anything around the archive, but instead you're watching the X-Men on, X on people. your personal library, and it's enough to make someone want to take off your head. Darcy, I really think you need to go on holiday or something. Maybe, you know, consider a career in, a, in another, like, career. While these two are arguing, can I, can I technically say that uh, Tessa is distracting Darcy right now? <laughs> Probably, to what end? I would like to go up to the bookshelves and see if I can find the um, fiction book that everyone keeps talking about. Yeah, I mean, as a fan of your character, I will tell you, there's no way you're going to be able to okay. sneak past Darcy. So he is guarding He's standing them. pretty pretty squarely in front of these two bookshelves, and there's there's no real cover. Even distracted, he would notice you. Okay, I'm just going to look over at Tessa. Do you have any care if he dies? I mean, I don't care if you kill him, but I mean, I think he might have a family. I'm not entirely sure. As the two of you are talking, he pulls a book out from his stack that he has kind of by his side and puts it onto the shelf. There's another weird rumble, and sailing over the tops of these bookshelves is a troop of winged chimpanzees, Uh, and they start flying towards you. You know what's that saying? Not my winged chimpanzees, not my circus. (laughs) Distinctly, I feel like this is a circus of your own making. It's Darcy's making, not my making. He's the one misfiling books. And look, he just did it. We have no idea how many he's misfiled since he started. So the obvious answer is that we don't mind taking him out. As long as when you say taking him out, doesn't mean we go out on a date or anything. That seems like you have some unresolved relationship tension. No. As the two of you are trading (laughs) quips, this troop of flying chimpanzees descends upon you and starts uh, attacking you, for lack of a better word. I think one of them scoops up Wendell and and starts flying away with him. Another one, like, lands, I think, on your back, Tessa, and starts, like, lifting you up and trying to fly you away by your kitty cat onesie. And Mags, several more, like, land around you and start beating on you with their hands. Okay, so, but we're all in, like, a big group, though, right? Currently, although Wendell's kind of being flown away. I'm probably going to pull the wand back out from where I have it, like, tap it a few times, almost recalibrate it before setting off (laughs) bound lightning, except I want it to kind of, like, be, like, chain lightning. And even though it's probably (laughs) going to hit both me and Tessa, I'm hoping it'll hit, like, the larger group of monkeys, too. Okay, yeah. Uh, Give me a roll to fight for your life. With plus chaos, it's a seven. 
On a seven and nine, you and your enemy inflict harm as established. So this bound lightning, I think, arcs through several of these winged chimpanzees. And as it does, they kind of fall apart and kind of just dissolve. Uh, and what they dissolve into is is ink hmm. that just kind of splashes down onto the floor of the library. Unfortunately, several of them do land some body blows on you, Mags. And so I, I think you are going to take one harm as well. Okay. You dealt with the ones that were harassing you, but but not the ones that have flown away with Wendell and are trying, I think have lifted Tessa off the ground at this point, but haven't like cleared anything. Okay. Oh, and all the while, Darcy is is laughing maniacally. I was just wondering if I could do something very weird. Uh, that is um, highly encouraged in this game. <laughs> okay, I want to use my knowledge of a hang gliding anime that I may have experienced a memory of called The High Musical to manipulate the flying winged chimpanzee to direct me and it towards Darcy to use as some kind of weapon <laughs> missile. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I assume you're using your cross-reference? Yeah. You definitely can. Uh, I think, I don't know if you'll be able to turn, you know, the winged chimpanzees into weapons, but I think you could maneuver them to potentially crash land if you want to into yeah, Darcy. Them. Yeah. Give me a roll to face fear and go ahead and since you use cross-reference, you can roll plus wits instead of plus pluck. Oh, thank God. <laughs> My pluck is minus one. Let's see, three and three is six, plus two equals eight. Okay, on a seven and nine, I will offer you a worse choice, or a worse outcome, hard choice, or price to pay. I think either you're going to crash land into Darcy, but it's going to hurt you more than it hurts him, or you're going to have to take some time to maneuver more carefully, but the winged chimpanzees are going to, they're going to steal some of your, some of your stuff. Do I know what kind of stuff they're going to steal? Uh, they're gonna steal your void quill. I can't give that up. I'm I'm gonna take more harm, I guess. So, what does it look like as you use two winged chimpanzees and your knowledge of a hang gliding manga mm -hmm. to crash land into Darcy? Yeah, yeah, screaming the whole time. Ah, window! As I pull on one and I pull on the other and jab him in the ankles, kind of thing. You and the two chimpanzees go sailing, and with a, a thud and a crash, you slam into Darcy, who who is knocked over, but it's a real awkward landing for you, and you are going to take one harm. Oof. Real quick, can y'all tell me what your current harm in essence is at? Uh, one essence, two harm. Three essence, two harm for me. Okay. So you've crashed into, into Darcy. Mags, what are you doing here? I still have that pocket watch, right? <laughs> yes. What would happen if I just stopped the pocket watch? Hmm. Uh, why don't you give me a roll to embrace chaos? <laughs> 10. Okay, on a 10 plus, you get to choose two effects from the list. I would like to briefly wield this power's effect, and I would also like to subvert this power to achieve your ends. Okay, so you get plus one forward. Yes. Tell me what you are trying to have happen here, or what you would like to have happen. What I would like to have happen, like this is all happening at one time, right? Yeah. I would like for time to pause maybe just enough to um, even out maybe the harm that Tessa and Darcy take. So they get like equal amounts of harm, as in he'll take a little bit more. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, there's a little like a record skip almost, but with time. And Darcy, who had been bracing himself for sort of a specific point of arrival, suddenly is no longer prepared when Tessa crashes into him. And instead of what what we had seen just moments ago, instead of him sort of managing the blow, instead he's knocked bodily and slams into the bookshelf, drops his flamingo mallet, and uh, several of the books fall off the shelf. Okay, if uh, books fall off the shelf, does any of these like effects <laughs> stop? Like any of the monkeys like disappear or... Uh, No, I don't think so. Okay. Seeing this, I am going to try and get to the mallet before he can like get up and grab it again. Give me a roll to face fear. When you attempt something risky in the face of fear or danger, roll plus pluck. I am going to go ahead and use um, essence for this. Okay. I need to like name it. Yeah, push yourself. Yeah. Which I need because that's a four, four, and a one. So that leaves me with a seven. Ooh. Yeah, good good call there. Uh, on a seven to nine, I will offer you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. I think you can get this mallet, but Darcy's going to put another book on the bookshelf. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> so you grab hold of this mallet. I think Darcy saw you running and, and he knew he knew he wasn't going to get there in time. And so you see him kind of like grin, like a, a sneering sort of grin. And he grabs another book from his, his stack. It's fallen to the ground and you can see a variety of Uh, a fictional works there and he pulls another one out pushes it onto the shelf and from the cracks in between the books on the shelf you see this dark brown viscous liquid start to flow out and it, it starts as a trickle like rivulets running down the books and shelves but then it quickly escalates and a river of molten chocolate erupts out from the bookshelf <laughs> And I need both Tessa and Mags, give me a roll to save your skin to avoid getting swept away by this chocolate tsunami. Oh my god, oh, I rolled snake eyes again. Save your skin. Uh, so nine. Okay. Tessa, you are swept up in this flood of melting chocolate. You are washed backwards and you're going to take one harm. Uh, Mags. I've kind of had a fantasy about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mags, you can choose to evade this or not, but if you do, there will be a price to pay. I guess I'm going swimming. Yeah, so, uh, you also are swept back towards the rear of the court. There's a lot of, like, jeers, like, flapping pages back and forth from the crowd of books, and you also take one harm from being sort of bruised and battered by this chocolate flood. And Darcy staggers back to his feet. Do I still have the mallet? Uh, yes, you do. Okay. Look, you've obviously known him for longer, Tessa. Is there anything that he is weak to? Does he have an allergy? I just usually mess with him by, you know, moving things around. He gets really flustered and annoyed easily. But I guess there's one thing that I could try. I really don't want to do it. Would you like to drown in the Chocolate River next? That seems much better than being bored to death or having Darcy kill me, but I've got to save Wendell. God knows where he's been taken by Darcy's winged chimpanzees. Oh, yeah, they're playing keep away with Wendell. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, okay. Up overhead. Kind of like flying volleyball almost. Oh, dear. Okay. Wendell okay. does not look like he's having a good time. Wendell, for- hang in there, buddy. I don't like I guess this. I'm gonna do this for window then. Get me down from here. I know you wanted to fly, but this is probably not the way you wanted to do it. 
No! I'm pretty sure chocolate is... I think it'll kill a hamster. But it looks you really be good. Save me some. Well, der. Tessa and I can die together in a river of chocolate. I mean, what way to go? We've talked about this, actually. Yeah, we totally saw it on that one anime. The, you know, <laughs> um, the one called Mercenary, Mercenary of Spirits. Spirit. I don't know why they died in chocolates, but the Mercenary found really awesome ways to kill people. Tessa, so Tessa. one of them was death by chocolate. Tessa. What? Focus. <laughs> right, you're sorry. For Wendell. And she pushes herself up from the chocolate, which takes a moment because it's kind of like quicksand. Fictional quicksand, not real life quicksand. Anyway, yeah. she goes, Darcy. What? You're right. It is my fault. I'm the one who's been taking the fiction books and been putting them in the in the basement in the archive every night after you leave. That's exactly what I do. Interesting. <laughs> the best move for this we haven't used faction moves at all. They tend to be for longer play and absurdia, but the best move for this, I think, is a faction move, which is goad. When you leverage your infamy with a faction to draw their attention, roll against your reputation. So subtract your rating. So a, a plus one becomes a minus one. Can I go ahead and help out? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because I want to just yell out, I mean, you already know that she's at fault, Darcy. You were the one working all those long hours dealing with her problems. Okay, so Tessa, give me a roll to goad, and you're rolling against your reputation with entropy, because as the queen of hearts currently, Darcy <laughs> is a member of entropy. Okay. So what's, what's your reputation with entropy? Minus one. So that's actually good for goad. Uh, that becomes a plus one when you roll against your reputation. I don't exactly understand it, but I will roll the dice and you will tell me the results. <laughs> uh, the, basically, the more infamous or villainous you are with the faction, the better you are at getting under their skin. Oh, okay. So a I'll negative rating is a good thing for goat. Uh, so with Mags helping out, roll 3d6, discard the lowest, and then add plus one. Six total on the dice, plus one, so it's seven. On a mixed success, they make a move against you and you get to choose one of the following options. They react irrationally, they commit significant resources, they overlook your allies, or they overplay their hand. If they overlook my allies, does that mean my allies can totally go and rip out all of the fiction books from the nonfiction show? Seems likely. Mm, I'll go with that one then. You say this and you see Darcy's eyes turn red and just charges towards you i think with no weapons left since his mallet is gone just with a big book i run and... i run <laughs> okay let's follow this thread just a little bit give me a roll to save your skin i run away from the bookshelves <laughs> obviously yeah save your skin six on the dice plus two is eight uh, okay on a seven and nine you can choose to escape or not but there will be a price to pay if you do I'm probably going to get hurt, though. I don't have much harm left. But All he has is a book. I don't really want to escape because I want to keep his attention on me so my allies can do stuff. So I will I will not escape, but I okay. will keep his attention. So I guess I'm going to get pummeled. Yeah, you run a little bit and then turn around and he's, he is on you. He just wails on you with a copy of Moby Dick. Uh, The Cat the Hat. <laughs> Uh, and you're gonna hat. take one harm. Oof. Okay, it's up to you. Yeah, I'm. Gonna, I'm. I'm running for the bookshelves. Give me a roll 
to face fear as you slog through the remnants of the chocolate river, the flying chimpanzees dive bombing you overhead to get to the shelf. Oh, that's actually good for once. It's a 10, even with the minus one. Tell me what it looks like as you, you navigate these obstacles. I am not an athletic person. So it might just be the fact that um, I am power walking, maybe. (laughs) Because if I run, I will probably trip. But I am very much power walking. So you power walk through the chocolate marsh that's left over, the fog of sweets, duck and weave your way through the flying chimpanzees that are assailing you from above, and you reach the bookshelf. And I think you can see in a tight formation... Three works of fiction placed on the non-fiction shelf. I'm tugging them off. You pull the three books off of the shelf, and around you, the flying chimpanzees, the river of chocolate, the flamingo mallet in your hand, the outfit that Darcy is wearing as he just wails on Tessa, all of it starts to dissolve and disintegrate until there's just a mass of jet black ink on the ground. Darcy kind of falls to his knees and then looks super woozy and then falls unconscious. Ah, oh, I thought it never stopped. Can I catch Wendell? Oh, Wendell! Yes. <laughs> no, you've got Wendell. The two of you together catch Wendell. Oh. Like one, one hand each on each side of the ball. It's like falling on a pillow for him. We hear the voice come over the intercom one more time and it says, The fiction has been successfully contained. If you are still alive, congratulations. Please proceed to the nearest exit. And as the three of you step out of the Absurdia Public Library, the newspaper icor sort of receding back, the bright sun overhead, we are going to fade away, and that will be our game of Absurdia. Yay! Woo! Woohoo! That was really, really fun. Oh, uh, thank you both so much. This was this was a blast. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I did as well. Thank you. All right. This has been our game of Absurdia for International Podcast Month 2022. A big thank you to Alice and Sarah for joining me. A uh, big thank you to the IPM org team for organizing this. Uh, it's one of my favorite events of the year, and I always look forward to it. Uh, I wrote the game, so... Thanks, Lynn, for hosting, running this game and making the game. (laughs) Thank you. And I think that's it for us. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Storelli. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event. And you can even buy our team members a Kofi. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter and use the hashtag PodMonth2022. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month. Celebrating creators, sharing listeners.